Hello and welcome back to Web3 Made Easy with Julian L. So today we're going to talk about decentralized apps or commonly referred to as dApps. Now before I get into breaking down what a decentralized app is, um, I want to kind of talk about some kind of fundamental understandings before you even get to that point. So this basically starts at understanding what is a regular application. So I'm sure you're all familiar with, you know, using applications on your smartphone, um, et cetera, or as well applications on the internet. Um, so an application that is uh, what, we, what we currently use in this, in this you know, um, time and day are really traditional centralized um, applications. And what it means by a centralized application means that there's a, you know, there's a company that owns this application. They have a you know technology team that built the the uh, code and um, sets of processes that kind of you know facilitate all the transactions or activities within a um, their app, and it's basically usually stored on a server somewhere. And then basically you and this server bounce back and forth um, when you know posting, editing, or reading the content of owned by that company um, and it's because it's centralized as well all of its files and, and um, <clears throat> you know um, you know uh, storage of the content is as well stored on their um, servers that that company itself owns ultimately as well then um, part of the valuation of that company right for example Facebook Facebook we post all our information onto uh, Facebook, we we talk with our friends, we we connect with other websites. Um, having the phone onto our our own, I mean, having the application on our phone collects data, such as you know, even with TikTok, um, with TikTok, actually in the terms and conditions, uh, TikTok saves every keystroke you do on your phone, um, has access to all of the files and other applications on your phone, which is probably why when you're um, you know, on Instagram, I'm not sure if anyone's ever noticed this, if you're on Instagram and then you start, you go over your TikTok, you'll start to see people that, Hey, did you know that you could follow this person, which, um, is someone that you follow on Instagram and it kind of freaks you out. It's because TikTok is actually taking that information from your phone so that their powerful algorithms that they continue to build on with this information, um, continue to power that, uh, experience that you, user experience that, you know, you so that most, I guess, customers um, looked for. Um, so now, now that you kind of understand, um, like, I guess, the centralized version of a app, now we then move to understanding, well, all these processes are hidden, right? So like, you know, I don't know what, what code is being, um, that's all proprietary to Facebook. I don't know what they're doing with my information. I um, I have no control of you know the you know the monetization and getting um, you know the what they sell my information for back. There's a suite of things that we have no control over. If the company itself, Facebook, were to get shut down by the government or shut down and just in general, we would have no say over our content or as well getting banned, censored, etc. Right? We're basically um, just a third party inside someone's um you know the, the the corporation sandbox now we then move over to understanding what a decentralized app is 
So a decentralized app is a, a very similar structure, whereas yes, there's an individual that owns, you know, there's a group of people that own a company. That's a decentralized app. Um, and then as well, there's a team that obviously codes um, and sets the, you know, uh, processes and rules of that business so that it can facilitate transactions and um, activity within the app. Although now, like the same thing with the consensus mechanisms, it just changed a little bit. Now, instead of, um, you know, the code being executed um, by just, by, you know, by individuals uh, in the organization or their code, they're more so ran through smart contracts. And those smart contracts could be big or small. Um, and the, the great thing about a um, decentralized app um, is that they're open sourced and that anyone can see them. So that when you look through a, through a decentralized company, you can actually uh, basically audit the company yourself. Um, unlike how, you know, Facebook or Instagram um, transactions are done behind the closed doors. As well, smart contracts are censorship resistant, which means that there's no gov government uh, can change them. No one can stop them. Um, so uh, that means that, you know, there's some, there's some, uh, there's some benefits there as well. And we talked about this in, in, the, in, the, in the smart contract episode, whereas once smart contracts live on the chain, it's just literally um, individuals all around the world that are basically powering smart contracts. So thus, that means that a business built on a decentralized app runs without um, runs without the 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 company itself. So it's a little bit autonomous. Um, so that means that that company could run in perpetuity with you know basically theoretically no one really um, uh, behind the scenes. Right, since smart contracts cannot be edited by anyone, um, as we talked about those transactions, right? We, we explained about how when transactions are done on the chain, right? You can't you can't mo modify transactions based on the consensus model, so the consensus mechanisms. Um, although, whereas on a um, blockchain uh, or DApp company, it works a little bit differently here. Uh, instead of um, uh, uh, the company storing information on a centralized um, server, right? It's basically, if you want to think about it, uh, when blockchain companies are kind of, you know, pulling, uh, you know, information back with no servers, um, it's that there's basically one universal database, right? So like one universal Google Cloud. Um, and that on the, 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 the blockchain, there's basically specific um, points of information that I'm basically drawing from. And this basically brought the inception of the you know, metaverse, right? Because now if we think about the example with Facebook, I'm posting content on Facebook. Um, and then although I don't own that content on a blockchain or decentralized um, aspect is when I'm posting information uh, that information gets, gets stored on a server, right? Like a, a decentralized server. And now, like we've mentioned with the wallet, that content is now linked to my wallet. And now if we think about the metaverse, um, um, I guess conceptual idea of that is that, okay, well, that means that if I hop from, from application to application to application, that means that my information follows me everywhere I go. Right, so this is and this is why you're hearing the ideas of the metaverse. So the pure um, definition of the metaverse, right, is 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 truly that. Uh, it's not just 
uh, a digital world or a 3D world or, um, you know, a bunch of people going onto an application that has blockchain um, or crypto or NFTs inside of it. The true definition of a metaverse is that, okay, wherever I go inside the metaverse, right, it's many metaverses, right? So many verses. So just, you know, if you think about it that way, it's that, well, okay, there could be one video game, another video game, and both of my, 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 my content um, is interoperable with each other, right? I can hop from one game to another without any, um, any disruptions. So if we want to now take another example of this is um, a simpler example is think about Facebook, right? And, you know, Instagram, when I post a, a, a post on Facebook, right on my, or upload a picture on Facebook, um, it, it wouldn't, or not, maybe not Instagram, but say Facebook and I don't know, Twitter. Yeah. So Instagram and Twitter. Um, and the only reason why I bring that example up is because Facebook owns Twitter. So obviously they can uh, merge their content a lot easier than, um, you know, say Facebook and, and, and um, uh, Twitter, right? Because uh, they don't own each other, right? Facebook owns Instagram. Um, so <clears throat> if you think about posting a post on, on Facebook, okay, that post gets saved on Facebook. Now um, we think about um, posting on Twitter. Those are two different places on where the information is stored. They cannot be transferred to each other, right? Because um, those companies are just are centralized. Each are, are their own. Whereas now we take an example with um, with a de decentralized or dApp social media, right? Because that's the genre that we're talking about. Say that, for example, there's one, there's just you know two companies I can just try to make up. Um, there's um, I don't know, uh, crypto Twitter and crypto Facebook. If I were to make a post on crypto Twitter um, and, you know, crypto uh, Facebook, and they're both on the, you know, Ethereum blockchain, um, that one post theoretically should be able uh, for me to transfer from each other, right? So that means that if I were to start off at Facebook, crypto Facebook first, and I posted a bunch of pictures and photos all of that content is, you know, stored on the blockchain, but then shown to me through that blockchain uh, or that dApp, and and that's connected to my wallet. But now, whereas I connect my wallet to crypto Twitter, right, and I would basically sync all that information, I could basically then transfer all my posts and all my photos to crypto Twitter in seconds, right? Because none of those crypto Facebook or crypto Twitter own my information. Um, it's all owned by me, like, you know, like a, like a Bitcoin, like an NFT, into, uh, you know, through my wallet identity. So that is basically the conceptual idea of uh, a metaverse, right? So in the future, where they're kind of thinking is that, um, you know, depending on a block, the blockchain that they use um, and all the, you know, businesses that are going to come about is that, um, you know, people are, are thinking that, um, or I guess if you want to, in my opinion, what a metaverse will look like is that, okay, uh, and a metaverse can be a decentralized app because that's basically now the, 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 the genre is video games. Um, and that's kind of um, where it's starting at the moment. But if you think about uh, video game decentralized apps is that I play a video game and I buy a bunch of items or I've earned a bunch of items in one video game, like maybe like some armor or like a sword or like a, you know, car. 
etc. And now I join a new video game that is completely different. I would be able to bring over those um, those those items I earned in the previous video game, because at the end of the day, I own the, the items, right? The game the game itself doesn't actually own the items at all. Um, actually, I do, which is you know this is a deeper conversation, but this is the the the, the conceptual idea, and we're we're having you know obviously the trouble here, whereas you know a metaverse will take kind of many years to build, is that. That um, system is not a um, hundred. Is, is mostly theoretical, right? Because how would it, how would it be possible for me to bring in you know an item from one video game to another video game and then then kind of work simultaneously or you know without any um, hiccup? At the moment, is not you know really possible. So I mean, it is theoretically possible. It just it takes it'll just take a few you know years to kind of develop something like that. Um, so. You know, I'm also going to give, I guess, my two cents on it is that if you are looking to invest into companies that say that they're metaverse, um, you know, I would stay clear due to the fact that, it, you know, the, the conceptual idea of metaverse is very theoretical um, and very difficult to build um, at, at this present moment of time, because obviously there has to be um, <clears throat> more development in the space. So, you know, since you're here listening to advice on decentralized apps. I just thought I'd, I'd bring that to your attention. Um, but so now we'll talk a little bit more about some applications that are currently um, being built as decentralized apps. So the companies that um, that are currently now very popular and especially in, you know, this 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 time and, um, you know, present moment in Web3 that are very usable decentralized apps are applications such as decentralized exchanges. So the power of a DCD app that enabled um, a lot of what's happening right now, um, which is the same example of, you know, if you look back in, you know, the early 2000s, right? We, whenever as new technology starts to develop and new ideas, we actually start to see the fruition of that, you know, five, 10 years down the road. Like for example, when, you know, Vitalik created Ethereum, Ethereum had smart contracts. Now we are having decentralized apps, right? And that changed the whole way blockchain worked, right? Because it started off with Bitcoin. Bitcoin just trades coins, right? You're sending, you're just not trading coins. You're sending a coin to an individual, but only a Bitcoin, right? If someone were to make a different type of coin, you, you it would be you wouldn't be able to trade um, that coin for Bitcoin on the Bitcoin network. Where that where now we are on the Ethereum network, <clears throat> we have decentralized apps now. And now we use DEXs that we can now trade coins, right? Different coins for each other. And when I talk about DEXs, um, a DEX is just a genre, right? So it's the same thing as it's like a bank. There can be different types of banks like RBC, Scotiabank, et cetera. And as well in uh, the decentralized uh, exchanges, there's ones like SushiSwap, PancakeSwap, um, OneInch, um, and they all are facilitating the same thing, except they're just their own, um, you know, separate decentralized apps. And this example of, of um, <clears throat> swapping tokens is the exact same as the example we talked about um, banking, right? So if I have a currency that I want to go and exchange at a bank, I would go to a teller um, and I would switch Canadian for Euro or USD and it would go through a long process for me to actually receive 
my you know euro or usd although they do take would take a big chunk of that you know probably a few dollars or a few percentage of that as it costs a lot of money on, the, on their back end to actually facilitate that trade now whereas on a decentralized exchange um, that trade is basically instantaneous and the fees are 100 times cheaper due to the fact that now it's a bunch of people around the world um, now with the ability of smart contracts and the transparency of a blockchain to facilitate trade based on a smart contract. So I want to trade one, um, you know, Ethereum for a Bitcoin. Um, it's already set up in such a way that when that transaction is then being sent to be, you know, completed, um, you know, via staking or et cetera, like we mentioned, um, a, a, a consensus mechanism to verify that uh, transaction on a blockchain it's done instantaneously with a little tiny fee, which then is sent off um, to the individual who helped verify that transaction. Um, and before I move on to a different example, I want to really put an emphasis on the importance of a decentralized exchange. Um, a decentralized exchange is one of the biggest revolutionary breakthroughs for use cases in, in blockchain, as we basically um, talked about earlier, where smart contracts can replace uh, real life, you know, processes in our daily lives. Uh, decentralized exchange is basically revolutionizing a forex, right? So forex is the the exchangement of currencies globally. So like you know, Canadian and U.S. dollar, U.S. dollar and European dollar. Um, you're basically automating that whole process. Um, and now enabling individuals all around the world to partake and as well benefit in a much more um, decentralized way. Um, so that's also very, very interesting. Um, and as well, you should, um, when looking at decentralized applications or blockchains, really have a frame in mind where we look at um, these decentralized applications as really replacing our, like, you know, um, um, instances within, you know, um, our daily lives, right? So you can think about the exact same example with, you know, going back to the banking example. This is really, this is really just a future example of a new way of banking that is going to be um, all powered by transparency and decentralization. So uh, the lastly, uh, I guess we'll talk about another example because there's there's millions of examples of of, of uh, you know decentralized applications. I'm just kind of giving the the basic um, you know understandings right now. So it's you know some DeFi examples. So DeFi examples, um, DeFi just stands for decentralized finance. Anything that has to do with money is uh, and, and decentralization is called DeFi, right? So a DEX would be considered underneath DeFi. Um, you know, borrowing and lending would be considered under DeFi. Um, so anything that has to do with that um, is a completely different topic. We can also touch on another point. But another um, branch of the decentralized applications um, we touched on was, you know, gaming. Um, so gaming applications on the, the DeFi are also a very, very interesting um, uh, and complete revolutionary, like, you know, 360 um, change of how to play video games. Because now... Items within a video game are actually owned by us um, and actually can be sold on uh, on a market because basically those items are as well now um, tokens, right? There, there could be NFTs, it could be tokens, there could be currencies, and these are um, very transmutable within the um, the platform. And what I mean by that is that um, 
entering the game is the same thing as owning the game, right? And so that is also, you know, a really cool example. And some games to look to take a look at to kind of, you know, go down that rabbit hole would be the biggest um, example would be Axis Infinity. Um, there's games like, you know, Steppen, which is, you know, play to, uh, play to run. Um, you know, and Axis Infinity is more so a play to earn. Um, there's, you know, classic examples like CryptoKitties. And these are just examples of how the gaming industry is actually now providing, uh, you know, sources of income for individuals. Although that's a completely different conversation as I have my own um, opinions on, you know, play to earn and all these. Whereas um, because blockchain gaming or, you know, Web3 gaming or crypto gaming, what have you, still decentralized app, um, the, the, the business model, or like, I guess you could say the tokenomics model, um, and these might be just more advanced terms, but like the model in which you develop these, these decentralized applications completely change everything. So right now in the gaming space, in terms of any play to earn game, um, people don't understand the real economics of that yet. Right. Cause it's basically, um, it's whole new, it's like, it's like cryptonomics. Right. If you, if you really think about it, which is it, there's no real case studies on optimizing that. So that's going to be also a very interesting, um, you know, few years as we start to learn through case and points of, you know, failures and successes of people kind of branching out and trying new things. And that is everything for today on decentralized applications or known as dApps. I'm sure further down the road, I'll probably make another episode talking a little bit about apps as it is a very um, large topic to talk about. But thank you for listening today and I will catch you on the next episode. As a side note, um, an example for an NFT, I wanted to talk about our NFT. Um, You'll probably notice on the episodes for this uh, podcast, these images that are very different from each other. So if you actually look at the cover art for every episode, it's actually part of our Cyber Friends NFT. So our Cyber Friends NFT, we want to create a world where um, this is going to be your first NFT you'll ever um, receive. So like we talked about earlier with, you know, the board apes, um, the the CryptoPunks, etc. Our special unique selling point with um, the um, cyber France that it's a completely free NFT. So, and it'll be the easiest NFT for you to get. So we want this to be your entryway into NFTs. So if you're interested in getting um, a cyber France NFT, um, look onto our website and then sign up with your email. Um, and when our um, wallet comes live, um, you will get a special link that'll bring you to become a beta user and then as well get your first free NFT. And catch you on the next episode.